I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And, and we, we watch Blue Ruin! I know this is personal. That's how you'll fail. I'd forgive you if you were crazy. But you're not. You're weak. Hello. It's me. By my count, that's... Two of yours, and two of mine. I don't know how this ends. That's how this works, man. The one with the gun gets to tell the truth. Yeah, so we were, we were going to watch House, but we ran out of time, and Netflix, 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 Netflix. took it off. So uh, we changed the movie to Blue Ruin. So if you haven't seen Blue Ruin yet and you don't want it to get spoiled, uh, stop this podcast right now and go watch Blue Ruin and then come back and turn it back on because we're going to have heavy spoilers. It is, as of the 1st of January 2014, available on Netflix streaming. 2015? 15, excuse me, 2015. Yeah, it's the new year. And I guess Blue Ruin is going to be the first movie we do that's not in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And is not classically horror. Yeah, it's not really a horror movie. It's more of a thriller. It's a thriller. A revenge sense. thriller. Revenge thriller. Yes. Yes. Do you want to give us a plot summary, Kia? <laughs> the summary is um, it's about a guy whose name is Dwight. He's kind of a vagabond. He's living in his car. Um, and he gets word from a police officer that... The man who killed his parents has been released from prison. So then you kind of see him start his mission. Apparently, it, sound, it looks like he's been waiting for this news all along because he immediately had he collects things. He it just looks like he was waiting to hear this news. So he was just being homeless until his this guy and he looks was released. Very homeless. He's yeah. got yeah. a scraggly beard and long hair. Very unkempt. And he literally lives, like you said, in his car, right? I mean, that's kind right. of... And it looks almost... Like in the beginning of the movie, you think it's an abandoned car, but eventually yeah. you realize it's a working car, which... Yeah. Know. He just goes and gets a new battery for it. and Yeah. Yeah, you think he's homeless and destitute, but he's got money and everything, so he's kind of just... It seems like he's doing it by choice more mm-hmm. than anything. And um, so he ends up going back to his hometown tracks down this guy no i think he 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 waits outside the prison or something yeah right and he sees the guy's family pick him up and then he follows them to this club or this bar it's kind of a dive bar a dive bar that's in the middle of nowhere and he um ends up confronting this man in the bathroom and brutally murders him and um he tries to leave he and he finds he left his keys in the bathroom. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yes. He left his keys in the bathroom. So I think if I remember correctly, he goes back into the bathroom to get them. And that's when they, he gets confronted. Yeah. There's kind of a confrontation with the other family members. 
I thought he just went straight for the other car because he figured, like, well, my key's are in the bathroom. I can't. Because they, they go back to that shot of the keys laying on the ground. Yeah. And that's when the family's like, oh, my God, he's dead. You're correct. Yeah. You're correct. He, um, right, he goes to their limousine and steals their limousine, but he finds a kid in the back of the limousine. Mm. Limousine. And um, he says something to the effect of, I think the kid says, you killed him, or did you kill him? And mm-hmm. he says, yes, he killed my parents. And the kid says something like, I don't think so. Something yeah, the like kid that. is skeptical about um, whether his relative is capable of killing someone. Like, yeah. he seems kind of like, I don't think he did it, you know? And there's yeah. kind of like this question a little bit of whether, is Dwight, that's the protagonist's name? Yes. I mean, if Dwight did the right thing or not. We've already, like, yeah. after he's already done the deed, like, this is 20 minutes into the movie, tops. It's pretty oh, yeah. early on. Yeah. There's already this doubt cast in our head of whether... Dwight did the right thing by killing this guy if it was actually revenge or not, yeah. right? Also, um, <clears throat> I don't need, I think at that point in the movie they didn't even reveal why he did it. Like, they don't yeah. reveal, like, well, I don't know. Did the, did the, no, the police... No, you're right. Run? You're right. The police, the police officer just says they're going to release so-and-so from prison, yeah. you know, tomorrow or something like that. And he's like, okay, okay. And then you just see Yeah, you're just like, wow, what did this guy do to deserve getting stabbed Right, because it's a brutal scene as well. Yeah. I think that's worth noting. I mean, doesn't he stab him originally in the chest? Yeah, and then he turns around and stabs him in the temple. Yeah. And then it's just blood like... Right, <laughs> right. It's pretty, pretty intense. And he's covered in blood too, right? I mean, yeah. he's, he's absolutely filthy, you know, just blood head-to-toe style. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to think... Where, where do we go from there? Was well, then he goes back to his sister's house, right, to kind of let her know, like, hey, I killed the guy that killed mom and dad, right. And then he realizes, like, oh, I left my car at the bar, so those people are gonna be able to trace it back to here and know where to go. Mm-hmm. Well, so, it says um, in the summary that I'm reading <laughs> that um, he realizes that. They didn't contact the police because he it hasn't it's not on the news. Right. So that's yeah. when he realizes, oh, they're gonna come they're gonna back do for something. Revenge, so now you have to because his sister's initially happy mm-hmm. that he took revenge, but then she realizes when he says that they're out for revenge, then she's just like, oh, great, you brought this back to us. Because I so, think yeah, you're right. Because I think he fully expects to see something on the news about the yeah. death and for him to be implicated. Like I think he's kind of like gonna say goodbye to his sister before he's either arrested or whatever yeah. happens you know but then they realize there's no reports of the murder or anything like that yeah and he even changes his appearance because he breaks into somebody's apartment or whatever and like takes a shower and shaves right. and right. steals some clothes right right he by like 30 minutes in like after the first act he <laughs> transforms he yeah. looks he looks like you know a button down nerdy guy kind of yeah and he looks a lot like Joe Latrulio from the state I thought like the whole time I was like, is that Joe Latrulio? Right, right, right. It's kind of got the eyes. Yeah. yeah kind of similar. Yeah. Like, especially when he shaved, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, they, these guys could be brothers. Um, So I think we should just summarize really quickly what it is and then talk, talk about our opinions before we give away anything else about the plot specifics. Yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, I think from there it becomes kind of a cat and mouse type situation where yeah. he's trying to anticipate their next move and, you know, he enlist some allies to help him you know it's kind of a back and forth you know tug of war mm-hmm. before before there's a final showdown between the family and dwight um so i think maybe now we should just give opinions about the movie and that sort of thing before we go into 
spoiler material. How's that? Okay, sounds good. I'll dictate this shit. Sure. Do it. You go first. Oh, <laughs> I... You've been dictated. I, uh... I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, granted, it's another one of those situations where you don't... I didn't know anything about the movie going into it. We stumbled onto it on Netflix and thought, let's give it a shot. Um, it's reviewed really highly. You know, we looked at mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes, for instance, and it had a really high score. Um, but I like how minimalist it is. Like, how all the dialogue is really... I mean, I know it's kind of redundant, but it's very realistic and mm-hmm. no one really is very dramatic. It's almost all said in, like in a very plain yeah. way and everything. Like, for instance, when the police officer reveals to Dwight, you know, they're, they're going to release your, you know, so-and-so is getting out of prison. Like, she just says it very matter-of-factly. She's mm-hmm. not like the man that killed your... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think in a traditional... She's not super dramatic about yeah, it. Yeah, I think like, like, in a, like if it was starring, you know... Morgan Freeman and like yeah. yeah, you know what I mean like there would be like this very dramatic like and now he's out like you yeah, know and then like a music swell <laughs> right right and then you know you have what's her name uh, Judd Ashley Judd like running through a hallway <laughs> like da da you know yeah. it's like I like how like straight it was and yeah. um, the violence is very brutal um, mm-hmm. and the suspense I think that that to me is what really sells it I mean there's there's a sequence where um, Dwight camps in his sister's house yeah anticipating like the family you know these treacherous family members coming in Mm -hmm. to do something and it's kind of like you don't know how it's going to go down i mean it's really it's up in the air like if he's going to make it out okay or not and you know one of the brothers has a crossbow and i think the other Mm -hmm. one has i think the other one has a traditional firearm if i remember yeah i think it's just like a rifle yeah um and it's a very suspenseful you know how he tries to manage you know, uh, so-and-so is upstairs and the other guy's outside, you know, who do I go to first? And you kind of see it going on in Dwight's head, like how he's going to like deal with each step or whatever. And, uh, the whole time it was so brutal and so minimalist that I really didn't know how it was going to end. Like I didn't know if Dwight was going to, I mean, I I totally thought in the reality of this movie that he could have been tortured to death and that could have been the ending. You know what I'm saying? Like I totally thought it could have happened that way. So, yeah, it could have gone anyway. And I, like, I, I don't know if you noticed, but it would, usually in revenge movies like that, like, you know, Taken or whatever, like, it's a, it turns into this action movie where one guy's sort of like this heroic action hero, yeah. you know? But this Dwight guy just seems sort of like, um, just like a normal dude, you know? He, yeah. he wasn't, you know, he didn't seem heroic in any way, really. It seemed more like something that he didn't really even want to do. He just sort of felt like, I have to do this to make things right with my parents who were murdered by this guy. No, I, th- yeah. I think that's a really good point. Cause like something like taken, for instance, mm-hmm. they always make a big point of Liam Neeson is an ex CIA agent, an expert yeah. sniper. He knows the ins and outs of every out. You know what I mean? That whole thing. And it's like, this dude is literally just a kid. He's almost like suspended. He's like arrested development at 17 years old. Yeah. He's like a grown man that never went beyond being a kid. Um, right. It's almost like, you know, the man-child movies you see where, like, the yeah. guy that can't grow up. It's a little bit of that, except that he's yeah. in a suspense thriller instead of a, you know, a bromance comedy, yeah. you know? and he's very, like, silent, too. But he's yeah. not, like, your typical, you know, brooding silent killer. He's sort of, like, traumatized silent, you know? Where he yeah. <laughs> it's not Ryan Gosling in Drive, quiet. Exactly. It's, it's not a... sexy, cool guy, quiet. It's, like... Yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah he's just sort of, like... I haven't had a conversation this long in a long time. Like he's just sort of he, like I think he literally says that a couple times. Yeah. Like I haven't talked this much in a really long time. Like he yeah. says something along those lines, and you, I felt sympathy for him sometimes, even though yeah. he, I mean, he obviously brought it on himself. So 
Yeah, I can see where you would be upset enough that somebody murdered your parents to want to take revenge. Obviously, he, you know, in a real world situation, it's not the right thing to do. <laughs> right. But you do feel kind of sorry for the guy. And then especially when, you know, well, I guess we're totally spoiling this, but like when you find well, out later. Boy, are we going, let's. Let's hear Kia's opinion. Oh, okay, yeah. And then we will go into, we'll broaden it up to like well, a whole spoiler would, territory. Okay. My opinion was already hit on. I was going to say how he was very unassuming. He just looks like an average Joe Schmo. He doesn't yeah. look like he works out. Yeah. Or that. Yeah, no, He's I thought... very skilled. But yet he seems to be very, um, he has like no fear or anything. Yeah. He's just like, he's out. All right, I'm gonna get in my car. I'm gonna drive to the prison. I'm gonna follow them. Then I'm gonna go and I'm gonna stab them. And then, oh, I left my keys. I'll steal this limousine. It's just like yeah. he's very, very focused. He doesn't look like he's really that frantic. Yeah. Well, and I think since he's a homeless guy, you know, they they establish him as kind of a vagabond homeless person. Mm-hmm. He lives in the moment. So I yeah. think when he's cal- you know, he's figuring out what he's gonna do. He knows, yeah, I'm gonna kill this guy. But I don't think he's really has some big master plan behind right. it. I think you're right that he's just sort of like going point to point, you know, until it works out, sort of. I kind of got the impression he, he probably had, you know, the the death of his parents affected him enough to kind of, like, become a vagabond, homeless guy. Right. But then he probably had in the back of his mind, like, if this guy ever gets out of prison, I'm going to kill him. And then he probably had, like, a plan up to a point. Right. And then I think it just, his plan went up, led up to, like, I'm going to kill him. And then after that, he's like, oh, shit, now I got it. <laughs> yeah, now I actually <laughs> have to live the next part of this. Yeah. yeah. Um, just real quick before we leave it, what Kia brought up about uh, Dwight looking like a regular dude, yeah. I think it's really worth noting just because, like, there, yeah, like you mentioned in early on, he ta- he showers and, you know, you mm-hmm. get to see him with his shirt on. <laughs> and he looks like almost subnormal. Like he's kind of mm-hmm. chunky and, you know, very yeah. not muscular at all. I feel like, again, if this was a big budget movie starring Ryan Gosling, right. like, that actor would read that part and go, oh, time to get in shape for this role. Like there's a scene yeah. of me ta- you know, taking a shower. <laughs> so like six months of preparation to get yeah. abs and biceps and all this stuff, you know, like I, it's always like crazy now. It's weird. Yeah. Whenever I see a normal looking man in a movie, I'm taken aback by it now. It's I'm like Martin like, what? Freeman like, in Fargo, that type yeah, of just yeah. everyday man yeah. in really crazy circumstances, but yet he handles it not like a mastermind, but still. He's capable. He's yeah. capable. Yeah. Yeah. And also in a movie like that, you normally expect the uh, the the protagonist to already be an, an expert with weapons and stuff. Sure. You know, you're like normally they'd be like, my parents were murdered, so I spent all this time like <laughs> learning how to use guns and stuff, and he just right. sort of has to figure it out, you know, in the moment. Like, oh, shit. I guess that's <laughs> another thing before we get into spoiler material. I mean, uh, he goes to a friend at a certain mm-hmm. point to get some training yeah. um, and to get firearms and stuff like that. He has a, a buddy from high school that w- was in the military yeah. and is like a big gun uh, lover, I guess, a firearm yeah. enthusiast. Yeah, and it was um, a Buzz from Home Alone. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Impossible not is, to notice. Yeah. Which I think is interesting because I don't know if I said it or if I thought it when we watched the movie, but like when Dwight's going through the house and like rigging it up, I remember thinking it's this is almost like a an adult home alone <laughs> right. type situation where he's like rigging it up for like these two people. I believe there's only two of them who um showed up at the yeah. house at his sister's house. Right. So um, we, Yeah, let's open it up. Talking. So now we are going to go officially into spoiler material for a newish movie. So if you haven't seen it and you're intrigued by what we said so far, pause it now. 
<laughs> and go watch the film. We'll give you a second to pause. And we're back. Yes. <laughs> um, if you want to set that up, we left off in terms of summarizing. We left off. He had just told his sister. And um, he realized, oh, crap, it's not on the news. They're coming for you. Get your kid and leave. So she gets her so just one kid that she has. She has two, I believe, right? I thought there were two. I yeah. think there's two. Well, she gets her kids and she leaves the house and she goes somewhere and and before she leaves, she t- she tells Dwight that he's weak. She mentions that he's weak. Yeah. And then she leaves, and then he uses her house. He sets up her up her house. He home alones it, where he rigs things up to to trap people. And like um, what? I forgot what he did. <gasps> Excuse me. He just <laughs> he he made it look seem like somebody was. He had all the lights and everything off. And then when he saw his car outside, he turned the bathroom light on and yeah, turn on the faucet the so they would, think, so they would yeah. think he was yeah he might have done was there some a part where he had like glass where he did something with glass on the floor did i make that up right i don't, I don't know if that. he was doing that to like either have them make noise or to like cut their feet mm. i might be getting that Could i don't think that happened else. in the sister's house no i don't remember that happening that might have been it may have but i've forgotten yeah but uh yeah he kind of sneaks out the top the the window of the house and then gets in his car, and then as he's running away, one of the guys comes out and shoots him in the leg with an arrow. Yeah. And then there's this really disgusting scene later where he has to pull the arrow out of his <laughs> leg, and all this blood is coming out. <laughs> I, but, what um, I thought was kind of great there is they implied that he was going to try to do that himself. Yeah. That he was he bought like he went to a pharmacy, he bought uh, antiseptic gel and sewing kit, mm-hmm. and you know like s- stuff to like clot it, clot the wound and everything. And he pulls out the arrow. And then he basically just gives up. Doesn't he he's go like, to a hospital? He's like, yeah, he's oh, just damn like, it. Forget he it. goes yeah. to a hospital. And it's like, again, Rambo or, yeah. you know, a movie with Ryan Gosling, he would perform the surgery on himself uh-huh. and, you know, be good to go. But this guy, hapless, doesn't know what he's doing, yeah. has to break down and go, I can't do this shit. And he yeah. goes to a hospital, which I thought was a really funny, like, kind of cool scene, yeah. you know. And he played that scene really well because it looked really painful. Yeah. And he like the way yeah. he... Re- because like you're saying, like if it's a Rambo type movie, they would have right. pulled it out just like with no sort of right. facial expression, just <clears throat> sew it up. But he's like, no! <laughs> there was also a really funny bit when he's in the pharmacy, and the cashier is like, "So, uh, what what are you getting all this stuff for?" And at yeah. first, Dwight is like, "Uh, well, I uh, uh," and he just grabs. <laughs> I think he says, "I just need it" or something. Yeah. And he just walks off like he doesn't yeah. even. Muster even, an excuse and why he's buying this stuff. I don't stuff. even think the, the guy in the, behind the counter even asked him what it for. He was just kind of looking at him like, right, suspicious. What the hell is yeah, going yeah, yeah. on? What are you getting all this stuff for? He's like, I, uh... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and as I'm watching, I'm thinking just like, just tell him you cut yourself by accident right. or something. You know, it's like, well, you don't need to give this guy an excuse. No, no. I think one Which, thing we left out with the uh, sequence at his sister's house where he confronts two of the brothers, two of the family members, mm-hmm. um, he captures one of them. Right, yeah. Um, what, he so, hits one with his car and throws him in the trunk. Right, so yeah. he injures one really badly, right? And uh, after he patches up the wound, he goes to his buddy from high school. He tracks mm-hmm. him down, um, who again is a f- f- you know military guy, knows a lot about firearms, teaches him how to shoot. Yeah. A little bit. Gives him a couple of, you know, firearms for the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Dwight interrogates the wounded brother. And then there's a big revelation, right? Mm-hmm. What's the big... The big revelation was that the guy that Dwight killed did not actually kill his parents, but it was that guy's father. Right. 
So who died while that guy was in prison of natural causes? Right. Correct. They didn't want him to die in prison. Was the explanation that he had yeah. already had pretty severe cancer, and they thought it would be like terrible to you know. Does someone the, want to explain like the whole murder and why it happened with the affair? Jeff, yeah, I guess. Yeah, the uh, Dwight's dad, I guess, was sleeping with that guy's wife. Right. And then it was a revenge killing thing where you know he was killing the guy who killed who you know slept with his wife. Mm-hmm. But then his wife ends up getting killed too somehow. I forgot how they said. I, I've kind of forgotten that detail too, to be honest. Like it seemed, it's but both like, of Dwight's parents were killed in the incident. Right. Whatever happened. Yeah. And then Dwight's the, father was having an affair with. The, the families, yeah. the other family, a man and the other family. Right. And, um. The Clelands. Yeah, yeah, like he was so. sleeping with the mom. Yeah. And then, but they both ended up getting killed by this guy. And then the, the son, the oldest son took the rap for it. Right. And then, of course, when he got out of prison, he, re- the guy th- thinking that the guy who got out of prison was the one who killed his parents. Yeah. Gets yeah. mur- he kills Dwight him. kills the wrong guy, right. basically, right. Yeah. is the bottom line. And yeah. it becomes sort of a exploration of, like, what, where does Dwight go from there, right? Yeah. Because he, he's killed a somewhat innocent person. The yeah. guy actually responsible for his parents' death has been dead a long time ago. Yeah. And to top it all off, um, Dwight's father probably sired a son with um, the Cleveland mother. Right. Whatever. Like the boy that was in the limousine that said, I don't think he did it or whatever, is yeah. probably his half brother. Right. Because they reveal later that um, the Cleveland elder father that died of cancer mm-hmm. didn't have working sexual organs anymore. That he right. wasn't viably, se- you know, sexual or whatever, which is probably why she was having an affair. Right. Um, so there's lots of layers now. He has a half brother in this family. <laughs> he killed an innocent man. Yeah. Uh, so Dwight. It's kind of like, where does he go from there? You know, that becomes like the last half of the movie, pretty much. You know, is how are they going to handle this and bury it, you know? And he makes the point to the other brother that it's his dad's fault for... He's like, you know, he kind of puts the blame back on on the dad, the guy who killed the family. Like, you know, if your dad hadn't killed my dad, you know, your brother wouldn't be dead. Right. Basically. Which is sort of like a, yeah, I don't know. No, I mean... I mean, it makes sense, but it's also sort of like trying to place the blame on someone else. Right. But, uh... Then the guy he has in the trunk that he's kind of holding at gunpoint to interrogate uh, kind of tricks him into getting too close. He grabs the gun away from him and then uh, kind of turns the tables on him for a second. And then uh, Buzz ends up shooting the guy in the head from a distance. Right. (laughs) Right. In a great sequence, too, by the way, where you hear one of the reports, you hear one of the gunshots and it's so strange sounding. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like a movie gunshot. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a strange noise. And you're yeah. like, what was that? And the characters, Dwight and the Cleveland brother, are both like, huh? Like they both kind of look around yeah. like, what happened? And then the next shot hits the Cleveland brother in the face. And yeah. it's grotesque. I mean, his yeah. face just basically caves in on itself. Yeah. And he falls over. And like then you realize, oh, and you see Buzz kind of walking up, yeah. you know, with the rifle. You're like, sorry about that first shot. It was, you know, I had to <laughs> yeah. recapulate, you know, that whole thing. Um, just a great sequence I mean, yeah. where you think, you know, uh, I mean, they foreshadowed the hell out of it, but mm-hmm. I had no clue that Buzz was following them or anything like that. So yeah. it was a great moment, I thought, you know. Yeah, I, did too. I wasn't expecting that. I was, um, I mean, I figured the guy would probably get out of it somehow, Yeah. but I wasn't expecting that guy's face to just 
explode. <laughs> but oh. it, uh, oh, man, my leg's asleep. <laughs> uh, so anyway, this all ends with a showdown at the Cleveland home. Uh, uh, Dwight kind of camps out there. He originally goes there thinking he's going to confront them and realizes mm-hmm. they're not home. They're still out looking for him elsewhere. So he you know, camps out there. He prepares like a barricade for himself to shoot behind yeah. for cover. Um, uh, he even, he eventually realizes that uh, their answer machine is on. They're checking their voicemail uh, mm-hmm. remotely. So he leaves a message for them to hear. Then I hey, yeah. here. Well, let's figure this out or whatever. And then there's a final confrontation, which I guess we don't really have to reveal for the purpose of the show for a review, unless yeah. you just really well, want to. I also want to mention that he goes through the house and, Try and looks for every single gun they have. Yeah, right. So he and takes just, them. Like I don't, I don't know. Like I'm not a. I never. I didn't grow up in a house to, with people who had like tons of guns. You know, yeah. so they they had a ridiculous amount of guns <laughs> in this house. So much so that they had one duct taped underneath a chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, they lived out like in the woods. Yeah. So this is very very rural. Yeah. Place. You almost get the impression that they're borderline survivalist, yeah. kind of like the you know, or maybe they dabble in like illegal stuff. It never explicitly says, yeah. but the, it seems like they are more than just people that like firearms. I mean, they they confront people with firearms at a certain point. You know, well, one funny thing is I was watching it when she pulls that gun out from under the chair that's duct taped to the chair. I was thinking, like, why would you hide an automatic <laughs> firearm? duct tape it underneath a chair like that what do you think is going to happen I'm like oh wait well this right. is happening Like <laughs> these people are back <laughs> you know, held at gunpoint so yeah. I guess it worked out for do them do you know who it was that pulled a gun from under the chair the actress the oh. oh no it's um Eve Plum it's Jan from the Brady Bunch really oh yes. I forgot about that <laughs> yeah yeah she pointed that out to me when we were watching it yeah I was like Weird. Eve Plum that name sounds familiar yeah, it like, yeah, it's the middle child, right? The middle girl of the... <laughs> yeah, she was of the Marcia, Marcia, Marcia. And I think, um, I mean, that's pretty much... Do we want to reveal the ending? We've revealed everything else. Might as well. I mean... <laughs> well, I mean, do we... we can, but it's not, I mean... I, mean, I think it's kind of a big... I okay, think it's kind of second spoiler yeah. alert. We're going to tell you exactly how the movie ends yeah. to discuss it. So, Actually, third spoiler alert. Yeah, Th- third official spoiler. We've already spoiler. warned that there's going to be yeah. spoilers. This is the ending spoiler. Yeah. So, there's, so. A, there's a showdown. There's three people that come in the house, including Jan from the Brady Bunch, another lady, and a man. Mm-hmm. And then Dwight's hiding behind a wall. And he slowly, like, turn, you know, comes around the corner. And anyway, there's, there's this confrontation. He kills the man, and then Jan from the Brady Bunch pulls this ginormous gun on him. That Jeff had mentioned earlier. That Jeff had mentioned earlier. And then in the background outside, there's a kid, the same kid from the back of the limousine. Dwight's half-brother. Who's half-brother. Who at that point, I don't think we're 100% sure it's a half-brother just yet, right? Yeah, I I didn't realize it at the time. They never actually said it. I guess that's something we should note. That's me thinking that that's the case. It never says in the movie... I am Dwight's half brother, or anything like well, that. They, I just put does. that all together. Uh, well, they pretty know. much say it at the end. They though. say it at the yeah. end, right? Yeah. Well, so like there's when... this kid that, from the back, from, for all we know, is just the kid from the limousine, and he hasn't come in the house yet, so Dwight doesn't know he's there, and he circles around somehow with another gun and points that gun at Dwight, and Dwight shoots. The, you know, there's a shootout between the women and Dwight, but before that, he tells the kid, "I'm your half brother," and so he lets the kid go and the kid mm. doesn't kill him as i think earlier 
when Dwight sees them at the prison when they're waiting for their family member to escape, they're they're trying to get this kid out of the back of the limousine, and the kid doesn't want to go. So already you kind of know he's he's he an seems outsider. like he doesn't want to be a part of this family. Yeah. Like yeah. he's not really happy. So he lets Dwight live, and so that's and the implication that is that Dwight feels like he has to kill all the Clevelands. Otherwise, if any of them survive, they're going to go after his sister and her family or whatever. That's that's why he kind of makes the final decision. I've got to, you know, yeah. literally pull the trigger here and make sure that these people are all in the ground. Because otherwise, yeah. there's always going to be that lingering, you know, fear that for my family. Well, I, so. I think when he first turns that corner, he's got his gun on him before he shot any of them. Yeah. I felt like he was sort of going to give them the chance to, like, talk it out for yeah. a second. But they immediately start freaking out, so he shoots them. Right. And then um, when the half brother comes around the corner, he shoots uh, what's his name, uh, Dwight. Dwight. He yeah. shoots Dwight in the stomach, and so like Dwight's pretty much gonna bleed out and die anyway. Mm-hmm. And but then they have like this big blow up, you know, shoot right. him up at the end where everybody gets killed. Right. And uh, yeah, except for the half brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he gets, gets he, he gets away to live. And uh, then. Green Ruin comes out. No. <laughs> so, I guess, you know, w- w- are we recommending this? What's, yeah. what's everyone's take? I would definitely recommend it. Yeah. Yeah, I just had one. one more comment. That's yes. okay. Like, when, when his sister, before she leaves, when she calls him weak, I think that's interesting because I think a lot of people look at the movie and go, he's not weak. He totally came back and took care of business and, you know, he killed people. It's, that's what a strong person does. But I think her weakness, when she said that he was weak, I think she meant that he hadn't let things go. Like he had yeah, held like on emotionally. to this. And, and at the end of the day, he ends up killing a whole bunch of people that, had he not done that, no one would die. He could have just yeah. gone on and lived his life. The person who actually murdered him was gone, who actually killed his parents, died of cancer already. So in the end, he kind of becomes, you think he's going to do this heroic thing, but then he kind of becomes a villain, just in the sense that he just kind of starts something all back up again that... With the wrong people, almost. That's a good point. If he had been psychologically balanced, like his sister, yeah. he would have moved on, potentially had a family of his own or right. whatever, or you know, Just a like life. She had. Yeah, right. sure. She was beyond it. It was pretty clear. So, yeah. yeah. Plus, I've, well, I also think uh, that once he got the whole thing started by killing the wrong guy in the beginning, uh, it was sort of a life or death thing at that point. Like they were right. either going to kill him or he had yeah. to kill them. Like in. But I feel like once he kind of realized, like, oh, shit, that wasn't the right guy, that he, he was almost trying to be like, all right, well, let's just stop this now. Like, right. you're one of your people's dead, one of my people's dead, or two of my people are dead, you know? Well, I think in that final confrontation, I think part of the convincing, the voicemail he left, and when they actually confronted him was, you leave my sister alone, let's just, we, we end this, we end this. And I think yeah. they were all like, hell no! And that's when right. yeah, yeah. they yeah. had to just go all the way. But yeah, um, it was, oh, good. No, it, it, I was going to bring up the title because you brought this up this morning. Oh. I thought it was kind of cool. I came across some, a comment on a website that said, what does Blue Ruin mean? And answers that I had seen suggested that his his car was blue. Well, first they said it was mm. a car that had been given to him by his parents or a car that he had had since he was a kid from before his parents died. It was blue. And by the time we see it, it's basically a ruin. It's a wreck. And maybe it's a symbol for how he hasn't been able to get past right. things yet. Did you have a take on the title? Other than I've I've heard that title in Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind, but 
yeah, they, I, I was I wasn't really sure where it yeah. applied in the movie, but it's weird how like with titles, um, I don't know if it's because I'm I'm very shallow or whatever, but like I never consider that at all. Like really. like I watched that movie, liked it a lot, thought it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. and, and, and really suspenseful and everything, but never thought like why did they call that movie Blue Ruin? Like it was never something <laughs> right. that I cared about or whatever. But when Kia brought it up to me earlier, I was like, oh, that's that's really interesting. But uh, it's just kind of weird how. There's like that's on Front Street. That's like yeah. the first thing you know about the movie, and I didn't even give it a second thought. You know what I mean? The whole time yeah. I watched the movie, I was never thinking like, "Where's the Blue Ruin?" Yeah. Like, you know, I wasn't thinking that stuff. Like, I didn't. Uh, I didn't think of it as I was watching, but when the movie was over, I did think like, "Where did the? Why right. did they call this Blue Ruin?" I don't. <laughs> maybe they just saw Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and were like, "That's a good name. Yeah. We'll use that one." <laughs> And then his next movie, the director's next movie, is called Green Room. So I guess we can be on the lookout for a green room. What's the uh, director's name? Jeremy Saulnier. Is it Green Room or Ruin? Room. Room, okay. It's so like like a green room, at, like you're backstage somewhere in the right. green room. Yeah, and it seems um, he's a cinematographer by trade. He's been working since the late 90s. Hmm. Um, he's got a few directing credits here but it looks like blue ruin is his first you know i guess widely seen movie um so you were just about to say earlier that you would recommend it jeff right i would yes yeah definitely take a look at it maybe watch it later in the day than i did i watched it at 7 30 this morning (laughs) like rolled out of bed and like ah literally because i got up this morning i thought oh man i haven't watched the movie yet and so i was gonna get up and drive back here to watch it and then i thought like i can just go ahead and watch it now yeah. and then drive later and uh i was just laying there thinking like oh this is supposed to be some kind of suspense thriller yeah but i don't know it was just a weird thing to wake up to <laughs> maybe so see it but like later in the evening yeah maybe around so, lunchtime yeah are we gonna grade it like we did before how did we grade it last time like like grades like in school like a oh, plus okay yeah that sounds good what's what what would you give it on the Rubik. Give it a B plus. B plus? I think a B plus is good. Really? Yeah. I'm giving it an A minus. <laughs> what? F all y'all. <laughs> no, I, th- I thought it was really great. I, I yeah. would totally watch it again. Uh, I would recommend it to anyone that likes, if you like minimalist stuff, like even though Drive is really stylized, like mm-hmm. the dialogue is very minimalist. Um, like I think it's kind of a, a few steps over for something like Drive to compare right. to something kind of mainstream. Um I would totally recommend it, especially in in context of it being a suspense thriller. Like I, I thought it was really tight. There were some scenes, there were some shit your pants moments, like where yeah. I was flinching, like ooh, what's happening? You know, yeah. for sure. So yeah. yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, I'm Kia. I'm Jeff, and I'm Craig, and, and we, we just reviewed Blue Ruin. Ruin. And now, it's time for Horrific News with Kia. Kia? (laughs) (laughs) Hello. This week's Horrific News um, comes from something that Craig found in his home. Craig, would you like to briefly give us a description of what that is? My grandfather owned a copy of The Sensuous Man by M., it was 69 cents back in 1971. Yeah, 69 cents. <laughs> Coincidence? Probably not. So where did, you, where did you find it? 1960, 1971. 1971. 1971. Yeah. 
Um, this was in my grandfather's home. I was rummaging through his things. He is deceased, so I am kind of being disrespectful, I guess. But, um, and I have no delusions that my grandparents were like, you know, saints and never thought of sex or whatever. Right. But it was still a little weird to find a copy of The Sensuous Man. You yeah. Know? In a picture, my grandfather would have been early 50s. He would have been in his early 50s when he was yeah. reading this. Um, there's a off chance that it could have been my uncle who would have been a teenager at the time oh, yeah. of this that he may have picked it up and hid it somewhere mm-hmm. but i doubt seriously that it would still remain there you know 40 years later like yeah. i think he would have tossed it or you know i don't know taken it with him when he moved out but, and yeah. if your uncle did buy it as a teenager i wonder if he did it as um maybe that was something that kids teenagers talked about back then maybe that was like did you guys hear about this book called the sensuous right 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 this is like their (laughs) porn kind of like that episode of wonder years where they had to read that book or whatever and they got the the sexy book from school or not what was it like the something of capricorn oh no i don't don't remember that that. no next week we're gonna watch (laughs) wonder years which is on netflix so it's totally possible um Kia, you kind of went through this tomb, Tom, tomb, what did he say? And uh, found some highlights for us. I found some highlights. Um, well, first, on the back of the book, it mentions that it's this is like a follow-up to The Sensuous Woman by Jay. Um, we don't have access to that, so we can assume mm. that Craig's grandmother didn't need any assistance yeah. in that department. It says, ladies should come first, pun intended. Right? <laughs> I guess. I didn't think about it until yeah. you said it. Yeah, I think that's... And now it's your turn, the sensuous man. We what first. If, oh, oh, sorry. I was gonna say, what if this was just like a gag gift somebody gave your grandfather <laughs> at a party or something? Like a, it was a dirty Santa gift or something. He's like, oh, look at this book I got, yeah, and then maybe, he forgot about it. Maybe. I mean, there's no. In all fairness to my grandfather, there are, nothing is highlighted, nothing is underlined. There are no notes of his own in here. It, it looks, doesn't look particularly worn, like no, he really went through it or anything. Absolutely not. Yeah. It, it looks kind of like you it know, looks like it was picked up maybe at a used bookstore because yeah. actually. On the cover, it says Dell 150, but then at some mm-hmm. at some point, I guess it was reduced to 69 cents. So maybe this was like a bargain. Yeah. Bin yeah. Or you never know. My grandmother copy. may have picked it up for him, for thinking, him. you know what, yeah. you need to take a look at this jerk. And he was like, yeah, I sure will throw in corner. You know. So. Yeah. So when you first open the book, the author describes himself or herself, because he just goes oh, yeah. or he or she just goes by M as one of the world's most expert lovers. Um, the author does not go into specifics as to what makes them the world's most expert lovers, but I thought that was interesting. And topics in the book include how to drive a woman to ecstasy, what turns a woman off, orgies, and hints on <laughs> sacrificing virgins. What? Those are not my words. <laughs> exactly. Um, so it's just, just some things, just from picking up the, I saw the book at Craig's house and I was like, what? And I was just roaming through and, um... So the first thing I noticed was that it references gay people as fags. I think... Quote, yes. In quote, yeah. Um, one of the chapters or subsections actually has that word in it. And I didn't read that section, but it kind of talks about how... I think it talks about a man's attractiveness and how they're supposed to look. And it basically says, fags have this problem, but <laughs> straight people don't. And um, so... Craig and I briefly discussed that it was that was it was written in the seventies and that term might have been more acceptable, but still it was written by an adult, so it seems kind it's of it's really brazen and really strange right. to be just yeah. like said without any 
context or Humor you know yeah or i mean anything. it's just... essentially like instead of saying you know a gay person like they just blatantly run with like yeah. the most brutal you know slaying you know yeah it's kind of so, funny how back then i guess that word didn't uh seem as offensive to some people right as it does now <laughs> well and also i guess I mean, i'm was, sure it was offensive to gay people at the time but well, i was gonna say most gay people were probably in the closet and right. probably didn't have a very big um vocal group protecting them or anything right. like now if, if a major book was published like that i think there would be blogs yeah. all over the place pointing oh, it yeah. out or you know trash it'd be, it. be like what is wrong with yeah, you? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um there's a section about virgins he describes legitimate in quotes Legitimate virgins would be those considered jail bait, so children are the only <laughs> legitimate virgins. Wow. Otherwise, you're not. Legitimate. Otherwise, she's lying, guys. <laughs> and his examples for a virgin in her twenties or thirties is someone who was marooned on a desert island or a nun. So, hmm. and he he says, I'm not gonna, you know, I wouldn't sleep with those virgins because they're inexperienced, and it's just difficult <laughs> to break someone in. Wow. Um, let's see. He talks about how women, he, there's a section where he talks about women who use their tears as weapons and he calls them <laughs> the wily weeper. And he says techniques to deal with, with these kinds of women or this kind of woman. Um, you cry along with her, you can throw water in her face <laughs> <laughs> or you can laugh in her face. But before you do those things, make sure she's actually using her tears as a weapon She's not legitimately hurt. Mm. Um, Very sensitive. Also in the section dealing with the virgins, he has a sentence which I have deemed the rapist creed, which (laughs) says, and I quote, the choice of having intercourse or not having intercourse is almost entirely up to the man. How is that not (laughs) a rapist creed? It was just very, (laughs) it's very interesting that he blatantly said that. Um... Yeah, you should. Craig wants me to talk about this the portion of the book. It's on page eighty three, um, where they talk about. Why don't you talk about it? Oh, okay. I don't know why it's that uncomfortable because it's something <laughs> you have. It's it's subtitled "The Vagina," <laughs> as an altar at which many tragedies have occurred. Um, <laughs> And they called. Oh, I didn't know you like summarized all this stuff. Uh, so mentioned. Oh, well, yeah, I can't. Help me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I could, Are you on page Yeah, I want you just read it for us. Yeah. The vagina. <laughs> <laughs> the altar at which we all worship, from the day we come out. <laughs> Keep reading we, like that. That's funny. From the day we come out, we connive, conjole, compliment, and buy our way back in. Men have lost fortunes. Kings have abdicated brothers have betrayed brothers and governments has, have toppled all because of this little cavern of joy we happily call these other words oh <laughs> you didn't go for it <laughs> well, so I, I think when i clapped i Uh-oh. come on various, go for it various words mm, that's like the whole that's the big go for it jeff all right, I'm going to go for it. I mean, it. you could say C-word, for instance. Yeah. I'll just say it, and then I'll bleep it out in a funny uh, way. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, da, 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 where was I? Back in the day. Men have lost fortunes. Kings have abdicated. <laughs> brothers have betrayed brothers. And governments have toppled. All because of this little cavern of joy we happily call... <laughs> 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 
and heaven. I like how he quickly <laughs> finishes with heaven. heaven. Yeah, yeah. That's what jumped out to me too. <laughs> um, that was interesting. Um, but then also giving some credit to this book. The book closes with a discussion on love. It talks. It, it has a poem in there from like Elizabeth Barrett Browning about love. Hmm. And he has a section about sexual ethics, which includes not gossiping, not getting involved with married women. Although, he has a section called, she wants to get married and your wife won't let you. So apparently, he's like, look, don't get involved with married women, but if you do, this is how you deal with it. Yeah, it's probably before divorce was like super common, 71-ish. So maybe it was kind of like how to get divorced. It sounds more like if you're married, you're cheating on your wife with somebody, and the girl you're cheating on your wife with wants to get married. That's what he's talking about, right? Yeah. She wants to get married, but your wife doesn't want yeah. to. Right. Okay. Your doesn't doesn't won't let you. Yeah, like I I took that as like she won't give you a divorce. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah I, I would think so. I don't she know. Won't give Maybe you a I'm misinterpreting it. Um, not flirting another sexual ethic topic. Not flirting with another girl while on a date, and not saying I love you unless you mean it. And he also talks about what turns women off, including body odor and scratchiness, which deals with facial hair, because women's skin can be very sensitive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is the sensuous man. I like the... That's just a, the tip of the iceberg for the sensuous man. Yeah, I've been looking through it, and it's got a lot of like a really funny subject headings and stuff Like uh, for the chapters. There's like... Getting it up and keeping it up. Yeah. <laughs> Farewell to premature ejaculation. <laughs> Inability to ejaculate and impotence. It talks about, they have they talk about positions too. I obviously didn't go into that. Some of the names were, there's one position called the unemployment compensation. <laughs> there's a position called the lassie. There's wow. one called the sliding pond or something. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's, it's a lot of information, hmm. you know. Penis size. Venereal disease. And... <laughs> Penis size. When is enough enough? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what many of you are thinking. This pep talk is all well and good for most guys, but I have a er, uh, special problem. <laughs> Your special problem is the most common source of sexual anxiety among men. The fear that your penis is too small. <laughs> is it an exclamation? Is it like caps? When it's, it's in a, like italics. Oh, okay. <laughs> How can your penis, penis be too small? It reaches your body, doesn't it? It what? reaches your body. That's what it says. It reaches <laughs> your body. I don't know what that means. The number of men. Oh, I'm just going to sit here and read it out loud. <laughs> and then it said that. Uh, the breasts. Let's see. Oh, From the beginning of time, men have looked at, measured, painted, sculpted, photographed, and worshipped women's breasts. We suck them from oh, the day God. we are born Jeez. and are drawn to them for the rest of our lives. Breasts are beautiful, and we never let women forget it. That's true. <laughs> and on that note, that was horrific news. Craig's <laughs> grandfather read that. <laughs> okay. So I have something horror-related. I've been uh, watching a lot of Are You Afraid of the Dark lately. When I was a kid, uh, I didn't have cable, uh, but one of my friends did. And uh, this is when Ren and Stimpy was really popular, and everybody at school was talking about it. And I was like, I want to watch Ren and Stimpy. So I took a VHS tape to my friend's house, put it in the VCR and recorded it. And then when that went off, Are You Afraid of the Dark came on. And so I had both, like, you know... I have one episode of each show that I used to watch over and over again. 
and I really liked Are You Afraid of the Dark? And then I got my grandmother to make me a tape of five or six episodes. Uh, but I've always been fascinated with that show since I was a kid, but I've recently found out you can order these things on Amazon, and it's the burn-to-order discs. Uh, where basically they're not like mass-produced, but if you order it, they'll burn you the discs for you. Um, anyway, I just recently got the third season in the mail, and there's an episode on in the third season, and uh, I won't even I'm not gonna mention the name yet of the episode. I'm just gonna. Well, I guess you know I could go ahead and mention the name of it. Um, and uh, anybody listening, if you want, you can you know go and watch this episode yourself because I think it's on YouTube. Um, as I think most of these are, but uh, it's called "The Tale of the Dream Girl." Tale of the Dream Girl. And uh, doop, the th- doop, doop, doop. thing about this episode is, it uh, when you watch it, it's I think it's kind of obvious that a certain filmmaker saw this episode, or you know, could have seen this episode. I don't know if he actually did or not. So allegedly, he could have seen this episode and thought that's a good idea for a movie and just stole the plot and then, you know, changed it around here and there. But the basic story of the what's going on used it in a movie. And it was a very popular movie. Mm. So I thought I would show it to Craig and Kia and see if they could guess what movie and what filmmaker I'm thinking of. Should we want but, to guess now? Yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah, like, try to guess what you think it is. Is it a before. horror movie? Can you give us at least a, look, a horror movie? That or might give it away. Up? Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to give any. Can give it away from me. Hints. Tell yeah. of the Dream Girl. Yeah, well, I will give tell you this: that the name of the episode does not help in guessing the <laughs> movie at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the way like no the, the the characters are a little bit different, but the same basic plot is sort of the same. Uh, and it was a popular movie. Yeah. The Sixth Sense. I'm sticking with M. Night Shyamalan. All right, what do you think? I can't overthink that it's going to be M. Night Shyamalan too, just because, <laughs> like, he's done so many movies with a twist ending and that yeah. are kind of Twilight Zone-esque, you right. know? Um, but just to make things interesting, I'm going to say, Batman Begins! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's right. go check it out, guys. <laughs> right. We're going to pause and go watch it, and then we're going to come back and discuss it. So if you want to do the same thing, just go to YouTube, look up The Tale of the Dream Girl, and, uh, or you can do the right thing and buy the DVDs like I did. And <laughs> we'll meet you back here in a minute. Yeah. All right. So- And we're back. We just watched The Tale of the Dream Girl. And Kia guessed it. Yay! It's theorized that uh, M. Night Shyamalan saw that episode and kind of based the sixth sense on that basic idea of the main character being dead the whole time and one person can see him. But well, no one else can. When you said, you know, it's called what? The Tale of the Dream Girl? Yeah. Um, I thought you may it may have been Inception. Like, I was thinking, like, yeah. Dreams? That's why I said oh. Batman's Begins, because I didn't want to steal your thunder. I was so oh. sure of it. And I was like, <laughs> yes. I'll just pick something by Christopher Nolan, yeah. but not Inception, You're you like, know? 
Batman, <laughs> wink. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but I was totally wrong. It was... That makes sense. Both good guesses, but one was right. Okay. <laughs> so, I yeah. mean, I don't, I, would, I don't know if I would have looked at that episode, though, and gone, oh, this is obviously right. the sixth sense. Was that the first um, TV show or... Or movie or whatever that um, um, did that, where you have a character that everyone thinks is alive, but he's really a ghost. Is Are You Afraid of the Dark the first to do that? If that's the um, case, then yeah, I guess M. Night Shyamalan was inspired. Well, I don't know. Well, I think also the, the ring element is something that both movies have in common, right? Because um, at the oh, end of right, The Sixth yeah. Sense, um, Bruce Willis's ring, wedding ring, falls from his hand and rolls on the ground, and he realizes that he's a goat that's the yeah. moment he wrote in in this episode that also happens where his yeah. uh, high school class ring from his girlfriend yeah. falls off the ghost hand or whatever and that's yeah. one of the things i mean I, I would think that's another like direct when parallel. did it fall yeah. off the ghost like at the end when they're in the graveyard i guess i missed that part when you said it well, fell off the ghost hand well it fell off the johnny's hand when after he told her off on the phone and it fell off because remember he's trying to get the ring off the whole time yeah, and yeah. then he's in the kitchen after he told her off she's like okay i'll Sorry, I'll leave you alone. I'll let you go. And then, and then it, falls. it falls off. Well, yeah. that's the case. And yeah, I guess M. Night Shyamalan did take well, some but There's an old school, no, uh, Turn of the Screw is like an old school um, novel that has similar elements about ghosts that don't really quite know that they're dead yeah. and that sort of thing. So it's a pretty old school, you know, um, yeah. plot element, I guess. But, and to be fair, like, I know I'm like accusing him like, you stole this. But <laughs> it could also be like a thing of like great minds think alike kind of thing, sort yeah. of. Like I think that happens in with comedians a lot. Sometimes somebody, will, two comedians, will come up with a very similar joke, right? Without having heard the other's joke, you know. I was but, hoping that the sister was going to go, "I see dead people," yeah. and I'd be like, "Oh man, <laughs> yeah, totally!" Right that would have been awesome. Even if she had just said at the end of the program, you know, when she's talking to Johnny, and she just said, "I, I didn't know how to tell you that I see dead people," yeah, you know, like something <laughs> like that. That'd been nice. Exactly. Um, so yeah, now let's go watch another one, and then we'll come back and talk about it. <laughs> no, but um, I've got the first three seasons so far, so I'm gonna. You said they're getting watch. better as you go. Yeah, the there's there's some stinkers on season two though. <laughs> there's yeah. there's one called the Tale of the Final Wish, and uh, it's pretty horrible. It's got Bobcat Goldthwait in it. He's the the uh, special guest, huh. and he plays the Sandman, and. Uh, does he do his his whole shtick of like I talk crazy like yeah, that whole thing? Or? He's uh, this girl. She's like obsessed with fairy tales and stuff. And then the Sandman like takes her into like fairy tale land or whatever. He's like, oh, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm the Sandman. You yeah. come here. Yeah. But um, it's uh, it's pretty bad. And like Bobcat's acting is pretty horrendous in it too. So, to, like, when I was watching, I was thinking, like, wow, he's really, he just did this to collect a paycheck. Right, right. Because it had to be, it was, like, right after uh, Police Academy and Scrooge did everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he was probably just like, man, I just need to, you know, get some money. So, he's, yeah. like, probably thinking, like, this is a dumb show. I'm just going to phone it in. Which, that particular episode, even if he had given, like, the best performance of his life, couldn't have saved that episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty bad. But, you know, there's some good ones, though. Um you also kind of have to take this show with a grain of salt because you got to keep in mind that it's made for little kids. Right. Uh, but there's a, you know, 
season one and two have a few gems in there, but I think the third season so far is the most consistent as far as having like the most like watchable episodes. Mm. It's made more for like teenagers and little kids. Preteens, maybe. Preteens, yeah. like eleven, twelve year old. It aired yeah. during like yeah, because it was on that. It was with the block of like Snick. shows. Yeah, Snick. yeah, it's not like Goosebumps. I think Goosebumps is more. Yeah, I think. Uh, Are you afraid of the dark? I was watching that when I was like eleven or twelve, mm. and up until I was probably about thirteen or fourteen. Right. 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 So yeah, I guess around that age. And now again. And now at <laughs> thirty-five. <laughs> but uh, yeah the. The thing I didn't really notice when I was a kid was the Canadian accents. I guess I wasn't aware there was a Canadian accent. Right. But now uh, when I watch it, I just, all I can focus on is how they say sorry. Yeah. And it it's become like a, a funny joke. I watch it with my friend Josh a lot. And every time they say sorry, we laugh. And so now I'm going to try to make <laughs> one of those super cut YouTube videos where, with all the sorries. So uh, I noticed that the episode we just watched only said I only heard it one time. I didn't yeah. hear it at all. I was I looking for it, it too. Yeah. yeah, it was just one time. The, it was when he was on the phone with the girl, and uh, he was like, "Just leave me alone." He's like, "Sorry, I'll leave you alone." <laughs> I, was like, I was like, "Ah, there it is." I just I noticed like I mean I know a lot of it's just '90s fashion, but mm-hmm. I also just noticed like you know the joke. I think on Mystery Science Theater 3000, there's a, a joke that they had about. Uh, Canadian fashion being like a good 30 years behind American fashion or whatever. <laughs> and, like I can't help but feel that way when I'm watching like the couple of episodes I've watched now Yeah, where it just seems like this really weird, like even though it's what, 1993-ish, yeah. 92-ish, mm-hmm. like it seems like 1981. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. fashion is just skewed a little bit strange, you know? Yeah, it's, um, it's also something like watching that after, I was like, oh man, I forgot that we all wore really baggy clothes back right. then. And that's even the kids who dress kind of preppy on this show. Mm. Uh, they'll still wear like a shirt that's like a triple X, but they tuck it in. Or <laughs> they'll have like a, a T-shirt, but the T-shirt's so big that the sleeves come down to the wrists. <laughs> and you're just like, what's the point of having a T-shirt, you know? Right. But uh, there's another episode on the same season with the – it's got the redheaded kid from Salute Your Shorts. And sure. uh, what's that other sh- – um, uh, Different strokes. Different strokes. And yeah. Terminator 2, right. I think he was in that too, yeah. Yeah, like there's an episode with him in it. And so this is like probably around 93, 94. So he was a teenager. And there's, uh, you know, he walks into the, the first scene he's in. He's wearing a flannel shirt. And on top of the flannel shirt, he's wearing another flannel <laughs> shirt with the sleeves cut off. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> this dude's so grunge. <laughs> and then the, the next scene, like, I, I guess it got, got cold outside, so he puts a third flannel on over the f- other two flannels. Wow. It's like, wow, man. <laughs> and they're all, like, you know, three sizes too big for him. But, and there's another thing I noticed, too, was the hairstyles. The, uh, the kid and the one we just watched looked like he used, you know, a vat of uh, grease in his hair. Yeah. For sure. And, it looked uh, painful. Yeah. yeah. That's what it, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, but the kid from Salute Your Shorts, he also, in the episode I saw, his hair's long, so he kind of like mooses part of it back on one side so it doesn't hang in his face. Yeah. It just looks really bizarre. Wow. Like in retrospect. But, of course, that kid always had weird hair too. Like he had the mullet stuff on mm-hmm. Salute Your Shorts. So. So you would say that this is worth checking down if you have fond memories of the show. I totally admit this is a show I totally did not watch at all. Yeah. Like back when I was a kid. So yeah, definitely. If like you've got a, a 
fond memories of it or like you know want to take a little trip down memory lane yeah. like a little nostalgia it's definitely worth watching and I don't know I just I kind of wonder if I would still like it if I didn't see it as a kid mm. um, but I don't know I really enjoy it though I've been, even the episodes I didn't see as a kid I've been you know really digging watching those so mm. I mean there's definitely something to be said for that because I mean like it's kind of like when you know you notice uh, Transformers or He-Man or something yeah. is on Netflix and you revisit it thinking like ah oh, just give it you know I'll watch one episode yeah. and it's just so terrible you can't even believe it yeah, yeah. you know what I mean that's happened to me so many times with childhood cartoons so yeah. something to be said for something that still kind of holds up a little bit you know years yeah. later yeah definitely like, yeah I would if, I would recommend like start if you want to just get a good solid season get the third one if you just want to like try it out um, <clears throat> you know because there's like I said there's some I think the second season might be the worst of the ones I have so far, but it still has a couple of good ones on it. Um, Which is the one with Tatiana Alley? Is that third season? Yeah, that's the third season. That was the the tale of Quicksilver was that one, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was a good one. And then yeah, and there was one I showed you a little clip of earlier. It had Frank Gorshin who played the Riddler on the '66 Batman show. Yeah. He plays like a bad guy in that, but uh, yeah, cool. So. That's my Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> Yay! Section order. So, are we, uh, so house, housekeeping real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to give them a Twitter account or something that they can ask questions at, like listeners, if we have a potential person that stumbles onto this? Sure. Um, I made one for us and I just looked it up uh-huh. and it's kind of complicated. So, I don't know <laughs> if I just want to just use my name because mine's really easy. Okay. Is what that, is the one you made? Well, the one I made, I, I made um, half-assed horrorcast. It's like at half-assed horrorcast. Okay. But uh, that's been taken already. Really? So half oh. is H A L four. Neptune. So I was like, uh, I like, uh, you know, because I was thinking about that while we were watching the episode. I was like, okay, you know, I want to bring this back up with everybody, and uh, you know, I looked it up, you know, because it's under Professor Creep. Like, that's the actual name on the account. But right. the actual at, you know, hashtag or whatever you call it, the actual Twitter account is half-assed, por- horror, half-assed horror cast, but half is H-A-L- H-A-L-4. Oh, okay. Mm. What is the... Is, um, Professor Creep is taken many oh, okay. times over. Um, half-assed in any incarnation is taken many times over. Mm. Um, horror cast is taken. What about H-A horror cast? H-A horror cast? I mean, we can always. I guess we can cut this, and then I can. Yeah. We could go back and make one real quick. Yeah, that we I'll, all agree I'll pause on. and pause. Oh, and you guys, you guys do this what while I, I while I mess up. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, there's an article from Crack.com from 2010 called "The Seven Most WTF Origins of Iconic Pop Culture Franchises," and number five is "The Sixth Sense," a kid show in Nickelodeon, and it talks about the story. Of a sixth sense, and then it says, "What inspired it?" The truth is quite a bit stupider than that, as you know, it's you know, it wasn't inspired by like Twilight Zone or something like that. Right. This Academy Award-nominated classic was inspired by something off of the same children's television network that introduced the world to Rugrats. Clarissa explains it all, and Doug, yep, Nickelodeon. And then it says how Shyamalan was one hell of an unofficial member of the Midnight Society <laughs> in the '90s. Um, it says the episode in particular, The Tell of the Dreamy Girl, is basically the same story as The Sixth Sense, except it was written for the same audience that followed Salute Your Shorts, of which I was of that audience. And then it concludes by saying, It's worth noting that The Tell of the Dreamy Girl aired on March 26, 1994, 
which means Shyamalan had to be at least 23 years old <laughs> during that life-changing Saturday night he was at home watching Snick. So I thought that See, was interesting. See, it holds up it when you're an adult. It is kind of interesting. <laughs> if he's in his early 20s, he's yeah. watching Snick. So he's watching, like, Are You Afraid of the Dark and Roundhouse and Clarissa Explains It All and... And Ren and Stimpy. Ren and I mean, Stimpy and Guts. and Everyone loves Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, is, is M. Night Shyamalan Canadian? That could be another connection. Uh, I don't think he is. Let me... Sorry, I thought he was Canadian. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's American. Yeah, he's... Well, it says here he was born in India. Oh. But, well, I, but I'm almost neither. positive that he was, you know, raised and reared in America at oh, a very okay. young age. Like, he's a very young immigrant. If, well, yeah. Um, yeah. I guess, like, are you afraid that our aired in America too so that's where it says I thought he's, he's from Pennsylvania <laughs> oh okay yeah oh yeah that makes sense because the sixth sense took place in Philadelphia right. so there you go and uh, we've we've decided on a Twitter handle and an email address if you would like to get in contact with us the Twitter handle is H A Horrorcast at Twitter, I mean, yeah, it's at H A Horrorcast. Cool. Does it matter with the caps with Twitter? No, I have no idea about Twitter. No. Okay. No. <laughs> and then the, the G, we got a Gmail address. Yes. Halfassedhorror at gmail dot com. There you go. Halfassed horror. Halfassed. Halfassed horror at gmail dot com. So email us questions, requests, critiques, or tweet us. Again, at H.A. Horrorcast, right? There you go. Okay. Yes. Okay. Cool. So what about, what are we listening to next week, ladies and gents? So, what are we? Oh, yeah, yeah. So next week, we are going to watch, for the podcast, if you haven't seen it yet. The Babadook. The Babadook. The Babadook. That's it. <laughs> Not to be confused with Marmaduke. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to watch that one. And uh, so it's, I guess, um, it's one of those that's still pretty current. So you can't get it on Netflix, but I rented it on uh, Amazon. Amazon. It's on demand mm-hmm. also. Yeah. And then. And after your movies. Some theaters movies. are showing it. So, yeah. So try to try to watch that and we're gonna discuss that next week on the old podcast. So um yeah, and so until next time, I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. If we time. were just on <laughs> the half assed horror cast. <laughs> See you next week. Oh, Hello there. I see you've returned for another horrifying tale. I'm your host, Professor Creep. This one's for all you pet lovers out there.
Uh, what time is it? Uh, 3.58 in the morning. Uh, hmm. Gotta ask Dad to fix that leaky faucet. There. Maybe I can get some sleep before school in three hours. Jeez. <sighs> Hope I can get back to sleep. Oh, hey, Poochie. Were you under there the whole time? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's your spot every night. Oh, good doggy. I'm glad no one else knows that you're here licking my fingers every night. It helps me sleep. Uh, pretty weird, right? Oh, well. Oh, man. That faucet must officially be busted. Well, your licking helps take my mind off of it. Mm. Good dog. G good dog. Oh, uh, it's morning. Mm, oh, I'm awake. Oh, stupid faucet. Hey, the sink faucet isn't dripping at all. Is that dripping noise coming from the shower? Oh my god! Poochie has been murdered! And his body is hanging in the shower! That dripping noise is his blood. His blood is dripping from his slit neck. Oh, God. And all over the shower floor, the blood. Oh. So, what was that licking my fingers all night long? <laughs> Wait. There's a note attached. Ooh, what? It says... Humans can lick, too! Oh, God! How many licks does it take to get to the center of a scary story, boys and ghouls? Until next time, sleep with the lights on. Ha 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 ha!